0: Oh, so yeah, when we're thinking about like to give people some guideposts and stuff for psycho- psychological stress, um, some key points here would be like, well, one huge one from a Chinese medicine perspective is breaks, right? Stress is great. Like it doesn't matter if it's stress at your work, stress in your home or something, but breaks, right? You see when it, when people don't have breaks, it leads to mania pretty darn fast. So Um, that's one of the key things is, is psychological stress good for us? Yeah, it's great. We got to have the breaks and it's way better to have regular breaks than the, you know, go work straight for like 30 days and then rest for 30 days. That's just so hard on the body. Most of us, you know, just don't put up with that very long and you can, you know, you can see it. Actually, I find, um, uh, pilots and flight attendants, depending on their seniority, of course, man, they really run themselves dry. I don't know if it's them choosing to do it, but their, their job requires it of them. And so like, they'll do like, it's something crazy. Like you only have to be at home for like six hours or something before they can pull you on again, uh, and get back to your next flight for, and then they, it's true, you know, flight attendants or something. Um, I think it's something like they generally only work maybe three max four days a week or something, but you know, you drive yourself into the ground for four days. It doesn't really matter how much you rest on those three days. So the idea would be kind of consistency would be a lot more ideal. And, it, you know, when it, when it comes to how we see them wearing down their body and check out the flight attendant and probably pilot category, I don't know how if the demands are the same on them, but a lot of flight attendants, especially, um, and night nurses, both of these ones, they are just so prone to a lot of dermatological conditions, which tells you just how much they're stressing their circadian rhythm, their liver and just weighing themselves down and generating a lot of blood heat. Totally.
1: Well, I was going to say too, with the long, long stress, long break, you're probably long stressing while you're having excessive, you know, standing or whatever. And then you're long resting and you're excessively lying down or sitting on the other end. <laughs> Cause you, you know, you're like, I, I need this break. I, I need to like lie down, but you're still lying down too much for, for the day kind of thing. Um you're absolutely yeah, right you're still deficient from overdoing it on the other way. So,
0: Totally. It's like trying to catch up with sleep, right? Like don't sleep for three days and then just try and sleep all you need for those three days in one night. No, it doesn't work. And even if it did work, you'd be throwing your circadian rhythm so out of whack it wouldn't really help. Chinese medicine loves that regular circadian rhythm. I know I feel like all of us go through that period in our 30s where we're like, how come Like, when I go out and stay up till 2 a.m., I still wake up at like my 6 a.m. wake-up time or something like that. It's actually a good thing. First of all, it helps us not do that too much, I guess. But, you know, from a Chinese medicine perspective, we actually want our body to know when to wake up because, um, and if that's regular, then it means our liver is more regulated. Right.
1: Yeah, I was, I don't know who you're talking about when you're talking about staying up late in your 30s. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's like the one time you're like, I'm going to go see my favorite
0: musician. No.
1: Right. Well, and... Talking about, like, we did in the beginning of the podcast of athletes coming back to a sport. It's like, Mm -hmm. like I'm I'm 30-whatever. Like, I used to be able to do this. Come on, body. Like, just do it do it again for me. And the body's like, uh uh-uh. Yeah. We don't do that anymore.
0: (laughs) Heck, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. And that's just like you said, right? The athletes. You see it all the time. Like, NFL has a ton. J.J. Watt was an incredible defender. I mean, Tom Brady is, like, one of the, you know, epitomes of this. It's not. Reasonable to be playing into your what does he go to 40 41 or something insane? Yeah. Um, but 40s, I mean, yeah, if you look at how he takes care of his body, I mean, he eats so clean, he's so regular about all the stuff, like he was like spot on about t- um maintenance of all those things. And it's the same thing, it's like, yeah, you can do that, you just can't slack, right? You can't, you know, just mm-hmm. go out with the boys and hang out every night. No way, that's what a 20 year old does, and they still don't do great with it. Right. Totally. They think they do great with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. Because they haven't, they're not comparing themselves to that 70 year old man who could kick their ass.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know,
0: (laughs) exactly, dude. Yeah. So the physiological one too, it's, it's, that's, that's the idea of like giving yourself the breaks in between and, you know, um, try not to push it to the extreme. So I think, you know, all of us have that tendency where we want to either finish that project or push through things or so forth. But there is that idea where if you can't come down afterwards, so a couple of key signposts would be um, if you can't calm down within an hour, like before bed, you know, it makes sense if you have a stressful day, you need some time to calm down. I mean, that can stem. Everybody's got their own thing. I remember one of my college roommates, um, she wasn't actually a roommate. She was just a buddy, but she would literally just stare at a wall for a while. It was kind of hilarious. That was like her thing. She would just like go to her dorm or something, and she told us about this. She just like go there and stare at the wall, like that's you know it's kind of cool. Like she wasn't watching a screen, I guess. I don't know if watching a wall is that much different, but that's her decompress, right? It's totally normal to need to decompress. But if you it takes you two hours to start decompressing, three hours, first of all, you're going to be eating into your yin time, which is your sleeping time, your yin nourishing time. But that does tell you you're probably just pushing it too hard, and then like for what, you know. I mean, we all have work stress, but like, I mean, is that really your dream job? If it is, maybe it's worth it. But if it's not, it should give you some some perspective. Totally. I actually have my business
1: partner; his wife doesn't like getting acupuncture all the time because she's she's a, has a very high stress job, <laughs> and coming out of acupuncture, she's too sedated, and she's like, "Where's my like? I run off of this." Empty fire stress. You know, she's like, where is that? It's not there anymore. Because um, we can be addicted to stress. I mean, I definitely grew up in a family that was addicted to stress. It was like a way of being and moving through the world. Is like, And when you meet your friends or family, it's like they would just talk about what was stressing them out all the time. Um, I got far away from that because I didn't like it. It didn't feel good. <laughs> um, you
0: got an ocean away?
1: Yeah, but I know that's how people live um and they function like that and they might not even know that they're stressed it's just this is how they are
0: it's almost they identify as that person you bet and they might not know the difference between energy like grounded energy or wiry energy i mean like a lot of those are just like you know jenga buildings you just pull out the wrong stone and then everything falls down into pathology but just like when people are running in that wiry stress all the time yeah
1: Yeah. So when you have a person who comes in and they're, you know, in this stress state, obviously we're going to give them acupuncture. We're going to like, you know, help ground them in the moment and for Mm -hmm. the next preceding hours or maybe a couple of days, however long the treatment effects are going to last. But what kind of tools do you first look to give people to
0: to deal with this kind of stress? I love it. Um, So when it comes to like, let's just go with the ungrounded kind of wired and tired scenario. There's some other stuff too, right? Like maybe they came out of skin problems or something else, but we'll just go with just ungrounded feeling like they're running like an empty shell. Um, and they, maybe they've acknowledged it. Like they're like, man, I just got sick like two or three times in the last season. Like this doesn't feel like I'm, I'm actually sustainably able to do this. So there's a couple of key things that we would look for in that situation. Um, two biggies would be when we talk about ungrounded in Chinese medicine, Two of the big ones are are the top pulses, which are the lung pulse on one side and the heart pulse on the other, are those bigger than all the other pulses? Because that should never be the case. We never want our top pulse to be the biggest one. We always want the middle pulse to be the biggest one. Which means if the top pulse is the biggest, either their middle pulses are weak, possible, or and or their upper pulses are amped. And quite likely it's an and in that case, right? So for these people who are running around and like really wiry, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. They might be like, I need my wired energy. Where'd you, where'd you put that? <laughs> Give me that back. Yeah. What sort of weird, magical acupuncture satchel did you store that energy in? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but how are you pooping? Um, you know, like let's bring it back to something really real. If you really think that that was a sustainable way to be, well, let's check out that digestive function, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. And another one is just
1: like, you you can operate just as good. You just have to, like, it's just going to be different. It's just going to feel different. And yeah. that's okay. Like, different is okay. You came in here because things weren't working. You wanted different. So, here's different. It's not going to be comfortable, maybe, because it's
0: not what you're used to. Totally. Yeah. So, that's a big one is if the twin pulses are too large, meaning bigger than the guan pulses, twin pulses are the top two top. That's a one kind of um Unanchored. Another kind of unanchored is floating pulse, most notable usually in the liver. And so if you get a floating pulse in the liver, and a floating pulse means like you feel it really big when you set the finger on, like very notably the liver will be bumping more than the other two pulses. And then you press down and like it just like kind of dissipates roughly into nothing as you go down. Sometimes a little bit at the base, but like just way lower. Um, if it's truly nothing below it, then that's floating, but with what we also call like no root. Um, so floating by nature has less root, but if it's zero root, then that's worth noting in your, in your diagnostic notes. So when it comes, when people come in with those two conditions, um, or kinds of this wired and tired, which are probably two of the biggest ones, Western medicine would probably talk about like something like adrenal fatigue, although some Western medicine, people hate that term too. I don't know what they'd call it, like cortisol, like flooding or something. Anyway, whatever they want to call it, they know it's not, this person's not working very well. Um, and if you see those things, then you would either descend and anchor a liver yang um, and put that liver yang back in, that's for that floating pulse, or you would descend both um, the upper pulses. And that can be actually a couple different things, but it always means anchoring downward. So when I say a couple different things, I mean like if both the twin pulses are amped and the yang pulse, the kid to yang pulse below is not, it's really weak, then that tells you what you really need to do is not actually even strengthen this person, you need to reallocate their fire. And as you oh. might guess, we're talking about ministerial fire right here. Okay. And get it to descend. Correct. So the goal of the ministerial fire is to physiologically nourish their own kidney on. This is an interesting point. I think we, I, I'm sure our listeners will figure this out. I, I don't remember what I say most of the time. Yeah. It's just my thing. I, th- I, I consider it like me listening to other people and not listening to myself. That's how I play it off. I just don't listen to what I'm saying. So if I ever repeat, sorry, peeps. Um, but this is the idea that we we know that basically, how do we nourish kidney in Nutrient-dense food. That's like if you're eating a really good diet, some of that nutrition density should make its way to the kidneys. That's the rough explanation of how do we nourish our own kidney in. But how do we nourish our own kidney yang? The ministerial fire needs to descend and warm our own kidney yang because you obviously would need a physiological way of nourishing both of those. Well, when that physiological fire from the heart gets stuck in the chest, guess what that feels like in pulses? Boom in liver. Uh, I'm sorry, boom in lung and heart pulses up top, weak kidney yang pulse below. There is the other one though. There's also boom in pulses up top with kidney yin deficiency. This is another kind of heart and kidney not communicating, but it's more instead of well, the previous one was more of a formula we call Wendan Tang. Um, this other one is a different formula called Huang Nian Du Tang. Uh, I'm sorry, not Huang Nian Jiedu. It's uh, Huang Nian Jiao Tong. It's Huang Nian to clear the heart fire above, and Jiao to nourish the kidney in below. You could also use something like bai Di Huang Wan. That's usually very effective as well. Uh, but the key there is you're looking for lower kidney yin pulse than kidney yang pulse. So I know that we went in a little pro bit there, but for you practitioners out there, that's a nice that's a nice little um, nugget to be able to use.
1: Nice. I feel like. Once every couple of weeks, when I have new patients or something, something will happen in a day. And I'm like, oh, like I have to teach you how to breathe because they'll be breathing just all up in their chest. And I'll like have to introduce them to belly breathing. And then the rest of the day, I'll just be like, well, I'll just teach everyone how to breathe today. If if you don't know, if you haven't been taught, because we breathe mostly in our chest, I feel like out
0: here in the West. And oh, 100%, man.
1: Yeah. And it's like a very, almost, it's a basic kind of, what is it in the Yang Shen kind of ideas of belly breathing, abdominal breathing? Oh yeah, um, it's deep in the yangsheng.
0: That's yeah. Just deep, yeah, it's deep it's like down into the lower burner of the yangsheng.
1: yeah, and so just to have this simple idea of how to kind of uh manage your physiology and your psychology all through this one practice, um and then the far-reaching effects it has from digestion to your emotional state um. It's pretty amazing just for one one simple
0: tool. Dude, Asher, you are spot on. Actually, just yesterday, I was working with a patient, and um, she knows she's, she's been dealing with anxiety for a, quite a long time. That's what she originally came with, to me with, and um, some things spur it more than others, especially other health issues and so forth. Anyway, long, long story short, the key here is I've been telling her, you know, belly breathing is part of it. Um, We've been doing some acupressure. Obviously, we do regular acupuncture and herb treatments and things. But I was uh, during the treatment. I was telling her to belly breathe, and I, I showed her where to breathe to because she was. I was like, "Okay, can you try and breathe deeper?" And she just, like you said, she expanded her chest more. And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's no, that's." It. And then she's like, "Okay, right. I know I'm supposed to do belly breathing." And so I was like, "So breathe in here," and she's like, "Oh, I thought it was supposed to expand my belly on the out exhale." And I was like, "Well, that's something I guess I should say to people because you are supposed to do it. Like, it was just so. It's so not normal that some people." Like it's so foreign to our modern culture that some people don't recognize or know that it's expand on the inhale. Now, technically there is a difference between Taoist and Buddhist breath. We don't need to go into that detail right now. But the key here is most of us just want to expand that belly, like to the point where it's like a good inch out from where it was originally, maybe two, maybe two, right? We're not, we're not trying to you know, do beach body and abs at the same time as our deep breathing. Um, <laughs> no, you wanna you want a Buddha belly. That's that's the goal. That's right. I mean, exactly. It's fortuitous. Uh, but I mean right away, just like Azure said, if you can just tie it to two things for people, and you can tie it to so many, but if you could tie it to two things, um, from a Western perspective, calming the nervous system, like just activate that vagus nerve. It's so, so darn useful. And the second thing like Asher said is digestion. Our digestion relies on that rhythmic pumping of the diaphragm. Without that, it just does not work as well. From I think uh, all the practitioners will know this that from a Chinese medicine perspective, we actually attribute the pumping of the blood that first initial pump not to the heart. We we attribute it to the lungs. When the fascinating thing is for all of you Western um, medicine focused people, check out how many pulmonologists, the people who work on your lungs know the circulatory system really well, cardiologists and so forth. They work hand in hand and oftentimes it's the same doctor going back and forth between those because you can't t- treat your lungs without knowing and understanding how to treat your heart system and so forth. So from our perspective, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we that's what we call that first push, but don't also forget that that's that same push that's starting digestion and so forth. So really, really key. I mean, just so many different things. Um, there is a lot of meditations that people can do for that. So one that I try and teach a lot of my patients is the small circle of heaven, which has been, it's also sometimes called the microcosmic orbit. Very, um, you know, there's, you can do it in lots of different ways. There's a b- bunch of nuance that you could focus on, but a lot of people make it a little bit more esoteric than it needs to be. Shoot, we could even do it on an episode one of these days, but um, you don't need to get lost in the complexity of it. You just need to focus on a couple of key points. And then you need to use your intention to circulate your breath. And that's about it. That is about it. If you can do that, you can fuel so much, like so much. I'm speaking, I've seen it. Uh, what my my um, main acupuncture uh, master, Dr. Guo, um, uh, I, had, uh, I was blessed with tons of great teachers. My advisor was amazing. I mean, Na acupuncture, just so, so amazing. My herbs, teachers, actually teachers, plural, and then acupuncture teachers, plural too. But Dr. Guo is just, was revolutionary in the way I thought about um, acupuncture and Chinese medicine. But anyway, Dr. Guo even ran us through the small circle of heaven one time. Um, He was in, he was 80, 79, 80. Yeah. One of the two. Um, And he was, you know, very small human. I think he was like five, four probably um, just robust, like rosy red cheeks, never ran out of energy. You're like, dude, how come you're 80 and we're rushing to keep up to you? And like, he'll just like walk through rooms, fixing everybody, walk back out, you know? And you're like, oh my God, just so much efficiency stuck into one small human. Um, and he's so, he's so nice, man. Like he's like, you can tell how well he's living his life. Cause like, he's always playful, you know? He's without a doubt. No one in their right mind would ever not say he's in like the top echelon. Like I'm literally talking like top, like top forty or eighty practitioners in the world of acupuncture. Um, I remember one time he came to one of uh, this this lecture thing at the biggest lecture hall at my university, which was pretty big. I think my university had about thirty or forty thousand students. Which, considering it's just Chinese medicine, that's a pretty big university. Uh, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so our largest lecture hall. We were doing this like lecture conference series, and he was the second speaker that day. Um, and so he walks up there, and he literally starts off. Obviously in Chinese, he starts off with like this phrase that's called nong um, fu. He's, uh, he's like, so I'm at here. I'm like, it means like I'm I'm kind of speaking to experts, and I'm really going to embarrass myself because you guys all know more than me. And he's like, Yeah, I just know a little bit of acupuncture. That's what he said too. And and literally, I'm not joking. The entire faculty of the acupuncture. Department, which was there, they all scoffed at the same time. They're like, are you, "Like, are you serious? You know, if you don't know acupuncture, we don't exist. Like, we don't even count as functional humans. Like, that's there's just not even a line that could connect us to there." Uh, yeah, but Doctor Guo, he would lead us through this um, this small circle of heaven, and he does not. Yeah, it's not about complicating it. It's really just about circulating the breath with your intention. And then you know you you basically circle and uh, focus on your center line. We'll do a little episode on it, maybe. Um, It can be really helpful. And again, a lot of people are overcomplicating. And it's not to say nuance is bad, but it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. There's it's not esoteric really at all. Um, But it's a great way. I mean, like if you can do that for three to five breaths, you can shift so much in your physiology that fast. And he would do it. We would actually. I after he showed it to us, I realized. Every hour or two, when we would be treating patients, he'd be putting in all these needles, fixing incredible things that just did not think could be fixed with needles. We'd be sitting around talking and chatting with probably like eight of the students and him. He'd be sipping on his hot water or something like that. And then at a certain point, you wouldn't really notice it if you weren't paying attention. He would just like stop talking for a bit and like we would all be chatting about something. And then, you know, two minutes goes by and he jumps back into the conversation. And then you start looking over and he's like, oh, that's when he's clicking in to do just two or three circles of a small circle of heaven. And that's it. Every two hours, he does the same thing, right? And he's 80, and you can see what it has done for him. It's like a real shift. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I feel like this has taken us to
1: our last quote, which comes from the Yang Shen, uh practices or
0: the self-cultivation. Nice. Yep. Health cultivation, self-cultivation, whatever you want to call that. You bet. That's basically like all the um, wellness or building or strengthening side of Chinese medicine, as opposed to necessarily treating disease. So we kind of split that into two halves. Like half of our medicine is focused on how do you heal people from disease, and the other half is how do you strengthen and build and make yourself more robust and therefore resist disease. So, anyway, um, yeah, there's a Yang Chun quote. I'm going to have to um, be honest with the listeners out there. I don't know where this one came from, but it's been drilled into my head so much that I don't even. I don't even have to look at, you know, the paper or anything, um, but it's just in the noggin. Um, and so this one calls, it's it's a phrase we use in that that whole Yangsheng sphere. It's called xin yao jing, which means your heart, um, which in this case really is referencing what we would call more mind. Um, so your mind should be calm or quiet, shen yao dong, and your body should be moving or active. And that's really the essence but they go on to explain why. So your heart and mind should be calm. Your body should be active. And they continue to say why. So they say, um, when your body is moving, you generate yang. Oh my God. Think about how much we could use this as practitioners, as muggles, as whatever. If you don't have enough yang, move, right? Move regularly, move often, um, move because movement generates yang. And there's a reason. That's actually why physiologically Chinese medicine says we sweat when we exercise. As we generate that internal yang, we're generating heat with it, and that heat needs to be either anchored into yin or pushes fluids out of our body to cool ourselves, which is of course the sweating. So that generating of the yang so darn important. That's how we're going to be moving, and of course we're using our fundamental like yin, which is our our food, our nourishment, our, our nutrition. That fuels that, but that, that yin basis is so that we can generate more yang. And then the second half says, uh, Xin Jing Yao Sheng Hui, um, or I'm sorry, Xin Jing Zhe Sheng Hui, which means uh, your, when your heart is uh, or your mind is calm or quiet, we can therefore generate wisdom. And so, you know, you just kind of sink in and your mindset um, gets so enhanced and so forth.
1: Awesome. Well, it's all about the balance. That's the Taoist way, everything in moderation.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure, and it's just sometimes that's a really helpful um, kind of baseline because people are like, "Oh, well, what should I be aiming for?" Well, most of us can benefit from that idea if you calm your mind and you move your body, and you're doing those regularly. That's a pretty good recipe for um, for long term, you know, longevity, long term health, avoiding disease, and so forth. All right, Stephen, take us out. Yeah, hopefully that's um, helpful for you guys. You know, like basically the general gist is stress good too much stress bad. Um, so try and find, pay attention to those signposts if they're helpful for you. Um, you know, When you're too out of whack, um, that's when you can kind of go to a little bit stronger methods. That's when you might want to do some acupuncture, herbs, so forth. Um, and hopefully this is uh, helpful for that health cultivation, which hopefully is um, on some of your radars. We'll catch you guys next week. Yep, see you guys on the mountain.
1: On the mountain.